Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me is Milo. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm all right, Steph. Yeah. yeah. Um, good, good Christmas? Yeah, very good Christmas. I mean, I suppose it's going to ruin the bit between Christmas and New Year. I mean, last time I checked, Arsenal were losing to West Ham. Should we talk about that instead of the game we've actually watched? <laughs> <laughs> Let's wait until the final whistle, which will happen while we're talking. And if indeed the result stays the same, yes, we can switch focus, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, it has been a while, hasn't it? Uh, you know, we've had that Christmas piece and the uh, look, family time, which is as important as ever these days. Um, but we're back on the wagon. Uh, here we are right after the final whistle at Brighton, uh, which saw us losing 4-2. Uh, the stats don't quite tell you about the game, but we will. And we'll also be looking back at the home match against Everton on the 23rd, which uh, you were at, Milo, and mm-hmm. we'll be talking about that a little later, I know. So, um, you know, let's. Well, I want to discuss where you actually watched the game from, which we'll get into um let's just get into it i had a i had a, i'd thrown a throw a question about your favorite christmas gifts but you don't want to hear about my Stuart copeland diaries from 76 to 1980 no. do you? which i which was which was a great gift i have to say but i don't know if you have a great gift that i don't want to hear about but you know <laughs> it's my way of silence <laughs> <laughs> said you weren't going to talk about it and then start asking questions about it i didn't I that's how it. that's that's how my career has has lasted as long as it has the uh, the, the master <laughs> of disguise my friend the master go on was there one cheeky gift to slip in for me <laughs> i've got, got a nice shirt um yeah <laughs> I didn't... a nice shirt a nice yeah. shirt there we go there we go that's all right well at least i see i have to read my Stuart copeland diaries without anything uh, on my top half at all because i didn't get a nice shirt but uh we did get well, there's, there's an image for you <laughs> yes an image of a fit anyway enough waffle uh let's get to brighton shall we or, well or shall we talk about the s the arsenal <laughs> no, seriously let's get to brighton there's a lot more to it than the scoreline tells you uh and uh let's start with the team selection shall we mate yeah i was gonna say you could ask me about where i watched the everton game i watched the uh, brighton game between my behind my hands for most of it um <laughs> uh, <laughs> So team selection, um, where are we? So uh, we, I mean, it's pretty much standard in terms of you know how, how we're lining up you know, more often than not. We've got Udogi back in, um, Vicario in goal, uh, Poro, Royal, Davis. Yeah, dog, a doggy across the back line. Um, Saar, Hoybier and uh, Decky in midfield, and then Johnson, Ritchie, and Sun up up top, which has been yeah. kind of the standard front line for well, since Newcastle game, isn't it? So, yeah, not not really any surprises there. We knew that uh, Udogi was going to come straight back in. We know that Royal has preferred to Dyer in right central defence, and Skip picked up a knock, an ankle knock in training, so he was out. Um, but I think it's possible that Hoybier might have come in for him after the Everton game anyway. So, yeah, no no huge surprises there, I don't think. No, no no huge surprises, although we should note that, uh, you know, there have been the whisperings of uh, on social media for some time that uh, Christian Romero was going to have recovered from what, like, like, what looked like a slight hamstring strain that he sustained in the previous game, which was against Everton, which we'll be talking about later. However, that proved to be rather more significant, and that came up 24 hours before the game. But as you said, you know, this is the de facto lineup for uh, when all our centre-halves are out <laughs> And most of our midfield, right? Which I don't think enough is made of that. You know, uh, uh, not enough is made of that. And that's Angie's way and good for him. Uh, won't be my way. I'm going to start bleating about it a little bit more. But uh, that was what we had. That was uh, 
the side that carried us uh, through a first half, which I don't know. I mean, it was curious, wasn't it? I mean, do you think we were lucky to still be at the game at halftime? Is that even a question? What's the nuance there? Um, sorry, I'm just cutting out the cootie section that we've got in the in the pod later in the notes for later on. Um, we ought to have I gone to, early? Yeah, you have. But let's just yeah, well. pick that up properly and just say that he's going to be out for four to five weeks. They're saying. Which Did is, I avoid a yellow card? Mm, which is a <laughs> you know it's a huge huge loss and yeah. um, you know compounds other problems we've got. And I I am a little worried that um, you know part of our uh, injury problems at the moment are that. You know, we're having to rush players back. We're having to bring them in. Um, we're not, we're not able to rotate. And, um, I think also we're, pretty, you know, you're having to do a bit more kind of last minute defending than maybe the, you want. And I think, um, I think, you know, the issues with, uh, discipline and, and also, uh, injuries of kind of compounding and, and we're not getting that settled state. And, and said in his press conference, didn't he, about, uh, you know, when you get these players back and he laughed and said, well, yeah, but then it doesn't work like that. And then we'll have other players off. And, and I, I, and I think, you know, that is a, that is an issue for us at the moment. Um, I mean, thankfully we haven't got too many games next month and that kind of, was it nine days? Nine days, but you know, nine ten days between the FA Cup and the Manchester United game is a bit of a blessing, um, and maybe we'll see a bit of rotation in that FA Cup game as well. I think we're almost at the stage now where we we might even have to do that, and um, you know, maybe Felice gets a start, and uh, or you know, Scarlett coming back from from loan, or uh, you know, Brian Hill, or some of the, you know, some of the players that we might expect to see later, you know, leave the club possibly later on in the week, uh, later on in the in the month, end up getting a start because we're just so short of players and we need, we need to give them a rest and, and hope that they're, they're fit for you know, Man United onwards. Well, I think, I think the point you're making, uh, you know, and, and look, I think there's a sub point to be made about uh, the rotation uh, in the cup. And that's, I think we should save that uh, in detail <laughs> maybe, for the cup maybe, match maybe, itself. Yeah. yeah or or just before, but I think, but I think it's a really good point. And I think the point that it accentuates for today's first half, especially is yeah, my feeling was that we actually, again, created enough situations to create to, to to create dynamic chances we had so much we had a lot of the ball but we were in situations where you just need that final bit of flow or confidence or penetration call it what you will but i think what you're talking about it does start with not having your first choice center backs or even one of them because the, you know the passage of the ball obviously you know comes up the up the field and we're used to moving at a certain speed with a certain pace and when there's a little uncertainty and a couple of passes are a little off and players are a little tired because they're maybe being overplayed out of position those little things do make a huge difference in the final execution yeah i think so and i think i mean i think you know these two games we're talking about today have been our worst performances I mean, up with Wolves are our worst performances of the season, I think. And you know, the, it's not even that it's just defence, is it? Because you know, our midfield is now losing. No, you know, both not. of these games we haven't got a six who's you know really comfortable, suited to to the role um, there. Um, I think we're putting a huge burden on Saar. You know, he's, he's very, very young, and you know, he's had a promising season, but we're asking a lot of him at the moment. I think um, Decky is. You know, trying his hardest in that kind of eight ten role, but I think some of the shortcomings there are evident over these two games as well, and and then also not having him in the front line, I think, is also causing issues there because it's harder for us to hold on the ball further up the pitch, and then you know teams can come back at us. Uh, I think you know in both in both the games, in particularly against against Brighton, you know where we're losing the ball or you know we're losing possession in midfield, and and it's creating you know quite. Um, 
threatening positions. Whereas if you know if we had Romero there or if we had Van de Ven then they'd be snuffed out really easily and it wouldn't it wouldn't be yeah. it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I think there was one where uh, Porro did a, a you know quite poor but you know, sloppy back pass and and yep. uh, you know we having to cover and there was there was quite a few of those where you know players would, would you well know, would, Big Vic saved us again then uh, if I remember he saved us several times in the first <laughs> half again a phenomenal display uh, from him uh, which is uh, quite something to say when you see that we conceded four goals but uh, you know the yeah. question was were we lucky to still be in the game at half time yeah quite we possibly but a lot of that was down was down to the, you know Absolutely. he he kept us in it I mean he really did Absolutely. And, you know, I think also there was a very interesting moment in the game and it happened very early for me and I'm interested to know if you felt the same it was it literally in the first minute or two and uh, and Johnson went down the outside and a low ball across like fizzing a low mm. ball across the box would have been a tap in uh, or at the very least cause chaos enough to maybe create a tap in and instead it was sort of a slightly what I would call um, stock loft ball into the middle of the box and hope someone can get their head on it and it just those details are the ones that I think you know I think we need to be sharper in those details. Sonny had moments in the first half where his 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 pass was just not good enough or his intent was not sharp enough. It seemed a slight, like we got into that trap where we're trying to walk the ball in again rather than move quickly, take a shot, I, try that ball. Yeah, I mean, I thought that you know, Son, Richie and Decky were all guilty of getting the ball trapped under their feet when they were you know around the box. Um, I think... You know, but I think part of that is just the roles we're asking them to play. I think it doesn't. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not. It's not. I'm not sure. I, I don't think this is the right combination. And but I think we're kind of forced into it because of who else is missing. And it's really, you know, you looked at the bench today, and we've got Dyer, the Celso. That's it. I think, isn't it? He's got any first team experience, really? A yeah. Forster, Forster. That's it. And so there aren't a huge, a huge amount of other options, but I do think that Sun is struggling, um, on the left wing. Um, he's not, he's not able to go past his man on the outside. He's constantly coming inside, um, and not really creating great chances. I think, yeah, maybe we got a bit carried away after him playing against a very tired, uh, trip here against Newcastle. Um, and I think, yeah, Richie is in a you know, rich, rich run of scoring form. Um, but he, I don't think he's he's adding much else in the team. And I, I do think that balance isn't great up top. But as I said, you know, this is I mean, it's, it's true of everything I'm going to say probably about both games. Really, um, this isn't a criticism of the players per se. You know, we've got a load of players in the team who um, you know have been forced to play roles because you know because we're so short, or players coming into the team um, who you know are being asked to do things they're just not cut out to do. And you know, it's that lack of depth that is is really causing us problems at the moment. I think it's a very, very fair point and one we are going to touch on a little later uh, in the pod, uh, that that regard of, you know, people really should try, again, and use the word holistic one more time. Uh, well, it'll be the first of many more. But, you know, this is not simply down to individuals. Slagging off individuals uh, is, is, is futile, really. Uh, you have to look at this in a bigger way and you have to recognise who's being asked to do what and, and the effort they're putting into it. I mean, to, you know, to that degree, you know, I, uh, you know, I thought Royale did as well as he could, but he's not a centre-half. He's <laughs> just not a centre-half. So, I mean, he's doing the very best he can. He didn't have a terrible game. He just didn't read the game like you need a top-level centre-half to read it at times. It's not so, even that. It's not even that, though, Steph. I, mean, I think, yeah, I think... So much of our issue at the moment is you know being able to play play out from the back and be able to play through yes. teams and that kind of yeah. offensive side, and and I think you know if you look at Ange Ball 
obviously you need to be a good defender to play in defence, but actually what's more important, or certainly as important, is what you do with the ball when you've got it. You know, if you look at that number six role, it's not a destroyer, it's not a spoiler in the way that, no, you know, we might have seen kind of 10 years ago, 15 years ago, ago in that kind of role. It's not a defensive midfield position. You're, you're a, you know, it's a, it's a playmaking role from deep. And, you know, the two players who've done, done it well, your know, Basuma is a ball carrier. He can take the ball. Uh, you know, from deep, he turns, he runs with it, and he goes runs through the, d- the team and then lays it off. When Benton Kerr was playing there, he's doing it with passing more, and you know it's a different way of doing it. But you know, and I think Hoybier is is closer to Benton Kerr than um, certainly than Basuma, um, and he was trying to do things like that today. But you know, th- th- this is th- this just drop off is just such an issue, and you know, again, you know, as I said, you know, elsewhere in the team it's the same. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's interesting when I look back at what Michael Carrick did under Martin Yole and the sort of player he eventually became at Man United. You know, I mean, the idea is almost like a Benton Corex figure. But again, you know, we saw Royale try to carry the ball today a few times, and of course, he just it's simply not his game. So he's trying to do it. He's trying to play to instruction, but he just it's not his game. So mm. you know, this is where I the, think it's important. I think it's very important that we remain brave to the system and the, and the philosophy of football beyond whether the, you know the players themselves can execute it because these players are not going to be executing this style for, for I mean, much longer. There, there was one point in the game. There was one point in the game, the sixty seventh minute, where he did. He certainly showed that he's been learning from Romero, where he took out Pedro from from behind, who ran into the yeah. back and then put his knee through him, which was yeah. Uh, you, yeah if, if you saw it, uh, <laughs> saw it briefly, yeah. you might yeah, even yeah. think that the that Cootie was back there. Uh, yeah. But that's the closest I think he got to uh, to Cootie's yeah. level all game. No, but I think I think again what I loved, and I think this is a really important point to make, especially in that first half when there were some players who were you know certainly playing in places they are not comfortable. You know, in a sense, I look at so I'll use Royale as the example again because it's the easy. We're on the topic. To me, there's a bravery in 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 sacrificing yourself for the team and sticking to the philosophy of the football that the manager wants you to play when it clearly compromises you to a degree. He doesn't hide. He didn't try and hide. He tried to do his job. He's just not very good at the job he's being asked to do. But I think there's a certain valour and bravery in it. So I have slightly less of an issue with that than I would with, let's say, some of our senior players who just are not showing up right now. And again, that could be, as you said, I think we get back into the connected. Everything's connected. You know, your neck bone's connected to your ankle bone. They're asked, they've been asked to play a lot of football. I mean, Sonny in and of himself, I'm critical of him today, but he's, again, he's pinging all over the place, like in terms of his travel and this at the end, going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, 31, skipper, a lot of pressure, you know, and we had two days less um, uh, recovery than than Brighton. So I have to say, as lucky as we might have been at half time to go in 2-0 down, I don't know about you, I felt there was still something on. <laughs> I wasn't so, I mean, I, I thought we probably needed changes at half time in order to try and turn the game around um but you know if you make the change there, there was so little experience on the bench that you make the changes then then you're almost forced into playing you know academy kids or under 21s later in the game because there were just so few options there um i mean i would have probably brought on geo i probably would have taken off richie brought a move decky out to right wing and brought on geo i think is probably what i would have looked to do but i can understand you know i don't i don't i don't think that's particularly easy given given and then, you know then we would have missed kind of richie's hat trick of offside goals yeah <laughs> but it's a but it is a fascinating point and let's dwell on it for a second because let's be managers let's be Ange for a second at that point two nil down um 
you know, you would say at most grounds, that's probably good night, right? You're probably going to get shut down. But Brighton are so open themselves and, and, and quite, I thought, not amazingly great. defence. You know, you felt there might have been a sniff in the game. Having said that, we've got to play Bournemouth in three days' time. So, you know, as a manager, do you think yeah. that he's trying to balance how much he can get out of which players, how and when? I mean, how how do you think he's working these decisions? Because I agree with you. I think the Southside half-time would have been a, a really a, a decent, a decent just, move. Just help us progress the ball a bit and and help us hold on to it, is, it would, would have been my thinking. Um, yeah, I, I just think he's got so few options at the moment that he, yeah. there's not a lot he can do. Um you know, I, I think, you know, I'd say my other thinking with, you know, with, with that move is it means that I can move Sun up top and, and, uh, Johnson to, Johnson to the left. And I just think the Sun's better through the middle. Um, I just don't think he fits the system or doesn't fit the role that he's been asked to do at the moment. I think it's hampering, hampering his game. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, as you said, I think the other issue, I think is fatigue and, um, they got, I think a couple of days off after the Everton game and, um, and, and said that they were all kind of cooked after that game, mm-hmm. knackered. And, you know, I think all season you've, you've seen us fade a bit after 60 minutes. And, um, I think, you know, it, it's, it's happening probably earlier and earlier in games at the moment, just because this run of games through December has been just so relentless, so tough. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I just think they're, they're spent. And I, I'm not really sure of the wisdom of having a kind of midweek winter break in January if you force teams to, you know, teams to play twice as many games in December. It, you know, I can't help thinking that we'd be better off, uh, taking a couple of those December games and dropping them in January and just playing one game a week all the way through rather than, to, you know, doing what they've done because uh, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really feel healthy. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Since when has the welfare? Since when has the welfare of players been important? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but we've all, we've got conf- we've got confirmation today that Sonny is off. On, I think second of January, off to um, the the Asia Cup. So, um, so the the um, the Bournemouth game is the last time we're going to see him probably until mid February. Um, before we get into the second half at Brighton, beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, to live update, uh, we can officially confirm uh, on this pod that Arsenal have indeed lost by two goals to nil at home against West Ham. So something to smile about. <laughs> Choke starts earlier every year, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? <laughs> um, what a curious second half um, it was. Uh, I would talk about incident pact. Um, mm. I was not especially enamoured with the refereeing. I don't have a complaint about Brighton's uh, penalty. That The shirt pull by Decky was naive, um, mm-hmm. I thought. you know. And if you're going to do that kind of thing, at least try and get closer to the man so as it can't be spotted. <laughs> or let naive. go. D- d- or, a quick tug and then let go. That's, that's never a bad um, idea either. Not Don't oh yeah, don't yeah. But I mean, I think that there are, you know, this is a second half that kind of had a bit of everything, didn't it? Uh, by the way, I'd like to point out that we drew the second half too, too. Um, yeah, just just on the way. just on the refereeing briefly. So it was Jared Gillett yeah. who refed our for, uh, game against Forest a couple of games ago, and I, I was really surprised that he was selected for this one because I thought he had a pretty poor game in, in that Forest game. Oh, and appalling. So for him to come round again quite so quickly, I, I was a bit surprised about. Um, well, let, let's let's pick up on the things that he got wrong over the, the two games. <laughs> go slightly out of sync. No, in the, the game against Forest, he basically allowed Yates to, uh, you know, single single footedly, or in some cases two footedly. Uh, you know, really, I thought virtually assault some of our players. I mean, un- unbelievable. He should he could have got four yellow cards in the first half. And again tonight, we've seen another awful, awful challenge from Dunk given as a yellow. Now. 
I'll, I'll give the referee a break and say that this is also where VAR has to step in and say, you've made a clear and obvious error. They certainly do whenever Christian Romero breathes on someone. So, you know, I, I, I'm not altogether sure, uh, to your point, how a referee that had such a poor performance against us again is... It, and I guess you can't... I mean, I didn't even think you could do that. I didn't think you could referee a team so closely um, in terms of days. Well, obviously you can. Uh, <laughs> and... Yes. You mean I can't add that to the list of my things to be angry about? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I don't want to go over the kind of how far function to gain um, because we've done it, you know, kind of countless times. I, th- I mean, I think it it should be a red card. Uh, I think uh, the fact that he's it's only one foot and you know, kind of where you know where the rest of him is, kind of saves him there, and that's where it doesn't it doesn't cross that clear and obvious threshold. But I've been kind of, I've been thinking about yeah. kind of um, kind of this dangerous play and you know how you because. You know, if we take, you know, if we go back to, you know, the Matty Cash one, which I think it's about the, this is about the seventh podcast. I think we've talked about it, and there haven't even been seven podcasts since it happened. And um, I didn't, and I didn't <laughs> raise it this week. I've raised it the previous six. But, <laughs> you know, if we think about that, you know, I'd agree that it was a dangerous challenge. You know, I don't think it, you know, quite falls within the threshold because of, you know, how he was going into into that challenge. You know, you know, it's not not studs up, but you know, not in control of it. And I, I just wonder whether there is something. Wouldn't wouldn't prevent the dunk one, but I, I do wonder whether there's something more generally around any challenge where you're actually not on the ground, you're off the ground, um, is is deemed dangerous and and is is a is a red card. So you don't have to because at the moment it's, it's more around kind of um, yeah, with your studs are up, with you're going through a player that you know. I think I just wonder whether that's something that, that there could be some clarification on. And and I think similarly, if I think if you go into a challenge studs up, regardless of whether you're in control of it or not, maybe that ought to be a, a red as well. Um, oh, I think consistency is what we want. That's all anyone wants in these situations. And I mean, just I mean, you're, look, there are many questions to ask of the questions you've asked, and we're certainly not going to get through them in the next few minutes. But I did, would say that just very very bluntly, Christian Romero is getting carded and sent off for challenges that are no worse than those. That, no, that, the dunk mm, one was no yeah. worse than the challenge um, uh, against Chelsea. I mean, no yeah, worse I at mean, all. We're, yeah, we're not going to agree on that. I, I think I think the, the, that was a really, really dangerous and reckless challenge um, and a clear red card. I think the one today was slightly different. But I mean, that's... Um, and, and, I, was, and, I was glad to see Decky get up and, and, and limp away from I, it. Let I, me I just was say too that. as well. I, I was too as well. I think I think the rules ought to be changed that this was a red card. But I don't think, I don't think there's a clear parallel between the two and... and you know the Romero one uh, against Chelsea. He he takes the ball and then he thinks, right, I'm having a bit of the leg, and then straightens his leg and goes through him. Um, As you said, but, we so, are going to disagree on that. So, so let's move on uh, from that one and say but, that we. Yeah, to, 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 today, I think there is a difference. If you do two two movements and you're going through someone, I think that's very very different. Um, but I think this should be a red card, and you know right, I think red card all day. you know I'd I'd like to see um, the guidance around you know dangerous challenges because we're seeing so many. Um, oh. Yeah, tightened up and just you know, and protecting players. And we'll look at Brighton's third goal, which I think is is obviously uh, it's probably the moment where we all thought the game was over. Um, again, um, do you want me to just go through fatigue? my notes on this? The yeah, third is goal, it, yeah, because I'm I'm gonna the third goal, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna ask if that's fatigue or oh, sorry, this is I'm talking about Stupians, right? No, the penalty so, came after a Stupian. No, it didn't. The penalty was the second goal. Right. And then the third goal was a Stupian putting one which, in the Which in my the, notes said, fucking hell, thunder bastard. 
Okay, uh, that's, so I was asking the right, the right goal. You've thrown me off track. I, what I wanted to ask you was, Thunder Bastard, yes, but do we think that it's fatigue or lack of focus that's like, had two players not closing him down and giving him, you it know... Was a very, it was a very quick uh, corner, wasn't it? I think Milner did really well to pick him out, spot him and pick him out. I thought we definitely could have got tighter to him to close him down, but I thought, again, fatigue versus concentration versus lag, I thought. I think it was, I think it was smart play and a fucking wonderful shot. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those shots that goes in, I suppose, uh, against us not against most other teams but it doesn't seem to you know the, the penalty comes I mean we, we we talked about that I mean that's a silly challenge from the Salsa you don't need to be doing that just a silly sort of a little yeah. lazy I thought a little tired I mean you know I don't know if it's I, I don't know how much contact there is of Ferguson to be honest but yeah, I you mean, can't I th- do that in the box and expect to get away with it I don't No, you can't that. I mean I think I think Ferguson makes the most of it I I think there's an interesting contrast with the challenge on Sonny where Sonny's uh, nudged in the oh. back in the box you're talking about the first time when he was out on the left-hand side cutting in you know, cutting in on the right yeah, so in, yeah, no, the 89th minute where Sun's bumped in the box and, and plays waved on. And I think just before that, as he's running into the box, he's also got his shirt pulled back. I think the one you're mentioning, Steph, was actually outside the area. So it wouldn't have been a penalty, even if it was given. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think Sun goes down quite lightly when he's bumped there. And I think that's probably why, I think actually it's probably quite true with both of those, um, those incidents. And that's why they're not given. But I think Ferguson goes down pretty lightly under the challenge from, from La Celso as well. Um, yeah. You see, I thought the first Sunny incident that we're talking about that was possibly outside the box, I thought that was a clear, clear foul. And I was very annoyed that we didn't get that. I thought the second one was really, really soft. And I was very disappointed to see Sunny go down there the way he did because it, I, I, it didn't feel like there was anything there. And it felt like almost waving the white flag. I was actually quite frustrated with him there because had he stayed on his feet, would still be on the ball. But regardless, regardless, there's a little uneven refereeing, perhaps we feel. But generally speaking, we can have no complaints about the decisions against against us in terms of penalties Brighton a 4-0 up um well and finally I think sort of throw I, I mean I think he's throwing in the towel at this point and thinking well I've got to I've got to start preserving people I mean I th- you know I've got to like I've got a game coming up in a few days these guys are already knackered Decky stays out there because he's now going to be suspended for Bournemouth because he got the uh the, the yellow um, Sun stays out there because fuck Klinsman <laughs> yeah quite <laughs> exactly yeah and well it was quite I mean, it was it was quite a last 15, 20 minutes. And I think the Lewis Dunk incident really comes into play uh, when you take into account what Gareth um, was saying in our uh, WhatsApp thread. I mean, he pointed out that we would have been what I think he calculated and don't hold me to these numbers. Nearly 18 minutes playing against 10 men had Dunk got the red card he should have got. And with the wind, you know, the wind uh, you know, in our sails as it was at that point. Uh, could have been a difference maker. But anyway, you want to try and uh, make sense of that last 20 minutes? Um, uh, uh, first of all, how did, how did you, did it make you feel any better about the, about the game in general, seeing that we really, you know, we, we, we went for it a bit and we um, got something. Yeah. I mean, so I think kind of taking the first question first and then I'll go on to the second one. I think actually this was a game of confidence for us. I think we got very wobbly after, I think it was uh, Welbeck got us, got us this early on. And I think the central defenders, uh, lost a bit of confidence and, uh, and I think that spread through the team. And then I think what happened late on is, you know, after Felice's goal, I think we got a, a shot of confidence and thought, well, hang on, we've got nothing to lose here. We might as well go for it. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, we, we went for it. I think in terms of how it made me feel, I think I was quite impressed actually that you've got a load of players out there. Um, you know, quite a few of them 
you know, may well be thinking that they're going to be off or could be off next month, and they were giving it their all. Um, you know, Brian hasn't really got much of a Spurs career left to play for, really, has he? Uh, yep. Gio could be in the same boat. Um, Hoybier could be in the same boat. Um, you know, Valise may well be looking at a loan. Um, you know, you go through the, the, you know, the players who are on at the end there, and they don't really have much stake in us. And they were giving it their all. They were really going for it. And yeah, it was, um, it was nice to see actually, because I think for too much of the game, we've been pretty insipid. I agree. I think it's nice to see players actually playing as if they have a chance to maybe take advantage of a, sp- of a space in the team rather than, as you say, uh, Take it, you know, uh, taking their feet off the pedal, uh, looking for that move, um, or hoping they're going to be out the door, or just psychologically giving up. It was really encouraging. Um, I think it was quite encouraging. Uh, Feliz had a couple of really nice touches. I mean, mm-hmm. he had one particularly nice turn and shot after he scored, which I thought he was very unlucky with. I think it was a good block or a save, as I remember. Um, but he looked more, um, he looked more productive in that, you know, in that spell I- than than I would have expected. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe, you know, the, the goal will have given him confidence. I think also, you know, it, it descended into, into chaos ball, really, and maybe that, you know, kind of suited him as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to, to take another item we've got on the agenda, um, kind of off the table early, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> with uh, with Dane Scarlett coming back from Ipswich, you know, having his loan to Ipswich cancelled and coming back to the club, he's, he's not able to be loaned out again because he played a, played for us in... Um, in the League Cup, and so therefore he's played for us twice in the you know, two clubs in the season. He can't have another loan. I do wonder whether that potentially opens up the possibility of Lee's going out on loan and getting you know six months of first team football in you know somewhere in Europe. It doesn't even have to be here. I think he'd benefit from that. Um, and you know, Scarlett, you know, who Ange seems to seems to like, um, you know, can play that getting you know coming on two minutes before the final whistle <laughs> uh, for the rest of the season role, which Valise has largely done for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably a good, a good shout. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think Brian Hill again, you know, well, let's not pick apart these players. We've discussed them so many times before the spirit of that last 20 minutes, uh, I think gave me great hope for going forward. Um, and actually again, <laughs> I still somehow wonder how we didn't score more. I mean, we were really banging on the door. I mean, there was, there, you know, we were, we were, I, I think the second half again, again, we talked about this. Uh, uh, we may have talked about it off, off pod actually. Yeah. Just Richie's offside goals. At least one of those, if the ball comes a little quicker, it, it, he's, he's ready for it. It's going to go. I mean, I found yeah, some encouragement. One off the, in the yeah. One half. off the upright as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Hoybier, and then Hoybier had one off the upright. I mean, when so, you actually yeah. break it down, we, uh, you know, it wasn't quite as glum as the scoreline suggests, which is what I did suggest at the outset. And a lot of the things that happened today were, you know, down to us and circumstances, that deadly combination, really. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd still be pretty, um, down because we're not controlling games at the moment. And I think. Right. Um, you know, if we if we'd come away, you know, if it ended up four all, then obviously, you know, it's 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 a great story to come back. Um, you know, from four nil down, brilliant. You know, all of that, the points would be very welcome, and all the rest of it. But my my concern over the last few games has been, uh, you know, kind of that lack of control, that that lack of ability to build up coherently from from the back. And you know, we've touched on you know some of the you know some of the reasons for that. Um, but I think you know we're not getting. We're not getting Ange ball if 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 we're not doing that, and uh, you know, 
I think that's a concern. I think I, uh, I think that's a very important thing to break down for people, though, if I can, because I think some people will hear what you're saying and <laughs> they will. It, no, you know what will happen. Some people hear what you're saying and they will ignorantly filter it and saying, oh, he, he's saying that we should have a plan B. And when no, we don't no, no, have no. certain players. No, no, I'm, I'm giving you the setup so as you can clarify. For <laughs> some people will think, I know you're not saying that. That's why I want you to make it clear because it, I think it's a really important point right now. It's not. Uh, my, point is say, we be, my point is we should be playing plan A and we're not or we're badly executing plan A. I, I mean, I think, you know, I think that there's clearly mitigation circumstances for this. But that's the vital but, thing. Yeah, you know, we're not controlling games at the moment. And I've seen some people talking about kind of Ange Ball is kind of outscoring the other lot. It's not. I've seen you know the 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 comment people were making kind of end of last season when they they'd heard his name but hadn't really seen his team and started doing comparisons to our delay Spurs and they've they've got nothing in common whatsoever. No, uh, no but, it's a, it's a and, lazy and, comparison. And, and I'm seeing that kind of thing creeping in again. Ugh, and you know. Though. And and it's not that you know if you if you think that Angie's game is just kind of um, all out you know all out attack you know almost Keegan's Newcastle you know all out attack will outscore the other lot kind of thing it's not that it's a really structured way of playing where we're trying you know we're, we're moving players into positions we're playing through the lines we're building out from the back we're trying to create high quality chances. And I think the issue at the moment is we're not doing that. We're not controlling games. We're not building, creating enough high quality chances. And we're, you know, we're not able to have, you know, ha- have that, um, that dominance over teams. We're not seeing right. that, that pressing from the front. We're not having teams on their, on their back foot and turning on them themselves as much. Right. And, and, you know, that's my concern. And, you know, I know that's very difficult to do with the players we've, we're putting out at the moment or, you know, the, the players that are, you know, ending games. And you know that's something that we you know we probably won't be able to address in full until until next season. Um, yeah, I mean, but, I, but but it is it is an issue. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that I think we will both agree on uh, and agree with, and I think it's another version of what you're saying. Um, I if you had handed me at half time the opportunity, if you just said, look, I'm not going to guarantee that Ange Ball won't get you out of this pickle, but I will guarantee that if you drop into sort of like a low block. And take him on the break. You'll be able to. You'll be able to leave today with a point. I would still not have taken that choice because mm-hmm. I think it's so important that everyone, from players to coaches to board to supporters, buys in to what we're doing. Um, you know, everything we're doing right now is a build. We're ahead of the build, and a game like today is another part of being ahead of the build. I look at that last twenty minutes, and I think, great. As helter skelter as it was, we stuck to our principles. Yeah, we got back in to the game somewhat, didn't get anything out of it. I'll still take a defeat of that nature today with all the mitigating circumstances over a scrapped point. And then the next time our players get caught in a situation similar where they're like, well, maybe we should be a bit more like that. And suddenly it all falls apart and we don't have a philosophy. So I think that's a really important thing that I think we're both saying, and I think we both agree with that. Um, I'm speaking for you, but you've already spoken for yourself. So, (laughs) um, Let's ask uh, what we thought of Brighton. Um, um, I mean, I think I think we were probably their perfect opponents today. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think um, you know we were nervy. Um, we kept kept giving them good chances, and yeah, we we made it easy for them. So um, yeah, they've been on a stinking run of form recently. I'm sure some people will be kind of weeding out Doctor Tottenham um, cliches and stuff. It yeah. just, I, but. You know, it, we just—I I hate all that shit. But you know, it, yeah, it does. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it, 
you know, I just think we played into their hands and we made it easy for them. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, a, 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 you know, what I'd love to have seen today um, in order to for me to be able to evaluate Brighton better overall. Look, let's face it, this pod has been um, a great supporter of Brighton in general. We've always spoken very positively of what they do because they do good stuff. They've built superbly well. They're a really well-run club and they play and, and they try and play good football. But I think my biggest regret about the game and why I can't really evaluate Brighton properly is that neither side was able to play with anything, you know, with their full strength uh, outfits. And that would be a hell of a game to watch if you had the both sides you know with with their best players fit going for it i think you would see an absolutely cracking game and uh yeah, yeah i think yeah really no, I, agree. I, I agree i think uh, full strength it would be a really interesting matchup as well because you know we want to yeah. press from the front and uh, brighton want to draw teams on and then attack the space and yeah. um yeah, yeah it would have been a really uh interesting matchup to see see um kind of who came out on top yeah, it's one of these rare games for me where you can't really judge either side on anything other than their overall philosophies of how they try and play football. And then it's just a case of who is fit and able to execute it better than the other. And that's I mean, sort of what I felt we got, you know. Yeah, I mean, they were they were comfortably the better team and um, we were... Yeah, we, we yeah we were we were gifting them chances. So, um, yes, yeah, I don't think there could be any real arguments for the result. And um, I think if if we'd managed yeah. to sneak a draw out of this, I think Brighton would have every right to feel pretty aggrieved about it. <laughs> well, just, they'd have been but, kicking you know, themselves yeah, uh, all, the, yeah. all the way home for um, sure. And they would just they just look more threatening than us all the way through. And, and you know, we we as you said, we created chances, but we we you know fluffed most of them and. Um, and you know when we got ourselves into good positions we were defeating ourselves and yeah just... yeah i mean jao pedro is i mean he's certainly an irritant but he's also really a very confident um fluid strong player isn't he he's yeah, very, I mean, he's, very he's run, sure of himself his run for the first goal was superb he ran across yeah. the edge of our box and no yeah. one would get close to him and then uh, and, uh, yeah finding finding that pass would yeah he he had a very good game yeah very good indeed um Positive and negative. I mean, <laughs> I think I think the positive. You know, we, we we were talking before about kind of you know Decky's good form and that how that was saving us. I think we're down to uh, Vicario's good form at the moment. <laughs> I think if it wasn't for Vicario, we'd be in all sorts of trouble. And um, yeah, yeah, he's um, yeah. I mean, he's in the top two keepers in the league at the moment, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Do you want to go for a negative or do you just want to skip everything it else? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the negative and say, look, I mean, it just continues to be an issue that we can't even get close to our first first 11 on the pitch. At one time, this was just another game in that run where it just doesn't seem to happen. And yeah, I agree with you. The positive is, is, is unbe- I mean, he continues to uh, embarrass my overview of, of, of Paratici. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Uh, it's another, you, another, another victory. You know, Paratici was at the Everton game, don't you? I do. I did hear that. Yeah, I did hear that. But he continues to. Uh, he, uh, my word, there's going to have to be an apology pod to Paratici at one of these moments because uh, his, his recruitment is turning out to be quite spectacular, isn't it? Anyway, uh, so we've, as you're hearing, we're sort of bouncing back and forth a little bit between uh, what just happened today at the Amex and the 4-2 defeat um, at Brighton and uh, the Everton game which was a 2-1 victory. Uh, you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you 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 sent a photo of where you were sitting before the game and i think if there was one place in the ground that i would say is the least milo like position mm-hmm. that i could imagine the one that were you know maybe challenge your enjoyment of the game the most even mm-hmm. it is the one you showed and that is because it was what three four rows five four, rows behind four, four rows back behind in the paxton behind the goal yeah, so which I, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, I, didn't I, even, you had I, the net even obscuring what little of you. <laughs> I got a keeper's, I got a keeper's view of the game effectively. Um, so, it, you know, in some ways it was quite interesting. I mean, it was made worse by Everton winning the toss and flipping ends, so that everything of note in the game happened at the other end of the pitch <laughs> to where I was. That's sat. the worst, isn't that the worst when you are when you are behind the goal and it all happens at the other end? It's like uh, so. Um, but on the on the positive side, you know, in the first half, I got a really good view of you know our back four plus Skippy and you know and Sar, I suppose, and uh, you know how we were playing out from the back and those kind of possessions, how we were defending as a unit. I got a really good view of that. Um, you know what I ha- what I didn't have was any um, any kind of uh, sense of the shape beyond that. I didn't really have any depth from that position, so I couldn't really you know the space between the lines looks very shallow from from where I was where I was sat. And then in, in the other in the other half, um, you, know, you, know, you know when we were attacking, there wasn't a, there wasn't a huge amount number of chances there. But um, yeah, a kind of view of that. But um, so I think because go on. I just want to ask you one more question about perspective mm. versus how you like to watch a game. Because, I mean, I think that, no, no, I think this is a really, and you know this is one of my uh, passions, mm. is how we all watch football. I mean, you and I watch games differently, and we'll get uh-huh. into that at some point. I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think most people have a slightly different view of what they're seeing. And, and quite literally, in this sense, you've always struck me as someone whose ideal seat, uh, actually, like mine, so I suppose, we still watch the game differently is on the halfway line, you know, higher up. So as you can see the shape and you can see what's happening, you can see what's going on. Um, I'm interested in that when you're that low in that view. And I, yeah, I've had that view obviously a ton of times. I have to change my expectations of the game I'm going to watch at the moment and sort of understand, well, today's game for me is going to be a lot more immediate. I'm not going to be able to see any nuances or so on. Did you find yeah. that you adapted your interpretation of the game to the context you were watching the game in physically I mean, or not? Yeah, I mean, I'd always watch a game back anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as it happens, I've watched I've watched that Everton game three times now. I, as I watched, watched it live or you know, watched our back four and then, uh, then Jordan Pickford's <laughs> ass. Uh, for 90 minutes um and i had questions and uh, uh yeah then i then i watched it the following day um and then i watched it again today um just to kind of fill in well i mean the other two times really to you know the first time was to actually you know see all of the game um yeah i, I mean i prefer to be high up i mean i think if i'm going to a game um I say I'd always watch it again anyway. Um I know that I'm going to see some things that I can't see on TV and I'm going to miss others that I can. And um you know obviously you don't really get the chance to you know stop and look again at things that interest you and um you know slow mo you know slow motion the bits that, that you want to see in more detail and um kind of that more general picture but obviously high up you get a far better view of the pitch and the, and um where yeah. players are placed and particularly um, stuff that's happening off the ball because right. you know TV by its nature is um, uh, you know, is ball watching and that kind of limits what you're watching. I think uh, 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 we had the, the the Brighton game today was on Amazon here, Amazon Prime, and when they held up 
the board for to show the added time at the end of the game we were on an attack and they cl- cut to the board showing extra time yeah. halfway through that attack and kept it there for what felt like five minutes was actually probably about 10 seconds but then the ball's on the other side of the pitch you think well how the fuck did it get there and you know what have i missed during that time funny so funny enough my my pet hate actually is on, on tv is when you is the pitch side camera when they cut down to that and you can't see actually what's oh, happening the worst i, so I, I really the hate absolute that so, worst yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. My preference at a live game is to be higher up, have a good view of the picture all over the place, and just see the shape of the team and see what's happening there. Um, and yeah, I could. But I'm going to grill you a little bit on this because you did say something that was very interesting, and you talked about, and I felt this before. One of the things that I don't think anybody who loves this game can truly appreciate, unless you have a view like that a few times, is the speed at which that ball is moving, and the speed of interchange, and the speed of movement, and how, I, when we're side. watching from higher above, yes, yeah. pitch side, it, because it is what I call the Hollywood view, because you're there right was, there, the, yeah, and, and the, the speed of the game at that, you really understand like that, those extra I, the, you know, millimeters yeah, the, and so on, they're so dynamic, so talk a little bit about that, and also about Vicario, you were behind him for 45 minutes, so, talk about so there was uh, certainly in terms of the kind of pace and the way we played out there was one um period towards towards the end of the first half i think it was around the 30 minute mark you have to forgive me where we had the ball um in our kind of left hand corner and played out through everton and there was three or four passes out and then we had a, a counter-attack and it was right in front of me and the Certainly when I've watched it back on TV, it doesn't look anywhere near as impressive as it did when they were very close to me. And the gaps between the passes and the approaching Everton players were very tight and the pace at which we were playing it was very tight. And, you know, and this is with, you know, as we said already, you know, with players who aren't really adept at, at this style of play. And... Yeah, that was that was when I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> you know that's that's you know that is really, 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 really tight, and those margins there are minuscule, and you're doing that, you know, one touch pass at that kind of pace um, is yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's a good experience to have. I think everybody, if, I, I think any everybody should yeah. have that experience at least once or twice, and, if only to appreciate when you criticise players who maybe don't get it right because it's yeah, really, and, especially you know, in think, this system. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, yeah, I know that was kind of my view when I took my seat was that you know I'm not going to get the view that I, I like, you know, I'd normally want, but this is going to be a good, you know, I wouldn't want to come, you know, yeah, th- this isn't going to be a seat that I'm going to buy regularly, but it's going to be it's going to be good. It's going to be a good experience to to watch the game here because I'll get a very different perspective on it. Um, and yeah, you know, I think again there was a uh, Romero put a challenge in on um, Calvert Lewin very early in the um, in the first half, where um, again just really impressive. And Cootie, I, I thought again watching him very close was really really impressive, really impressive in that first half. Really put himself about and just so dominant and so good on the ball. Um, and the the other thing that was yeah was missed on TV. I think cause the cameras were elsewhere. Um, late in that half, when um, there was the second ball on the pitch, and a, a Everton attack was um, <laughs> was cancelled out. Uh, R- Romero walked past the so the ball was came on the pitch as, as we were playing the um, playing out, and uh, Romero saw it, walked past it, looked at it, and then just carried on walking, uh, knowing that. Uh, um, 
that uh, yeah that, that that it would work Bit in of a wily coyote movie yeah because uh, i saw him doing it it was just kind of chuckling to myself thinking you sly bastard you sly <laughs> bastard because <laughs> and yeah, yeah kind of thinking i think anyone else on the pitch would have kicked it off i guess this is when i can trot out the old uh you know the old trope that's that's a uh, world cup winner's experience for you yeah <laughs> yeah you know Why seconds not? later yeah, how to win a game. So, but one one more thing, and I go back. I'm going back to the Vicario question. Uh, anything you noticed about him from that level? Because I mean, look again. He, uh, you, you could argue that he saved us again yeah, yeah. against Everton. Yeah. I mean, he's been, as you pointed out, saving us. Uh, you know, uh, possibly more games this season than we want to admit, and is definitely in the top two keepers. I would think I'm having a hard time thinking one that I feel is better actually. But um, but anyway, uh, anything you noticed? I mean, say he'd be my man of the match. Um, I think he's the only Spurs player I could actually see for most of the game. And um, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was superb. Um, is he loud? Is, does he, does he talking all the time? Is he, um, you know, how how is he commanding the players in front of him? Um, what what's the communication there was, there, like? Yeah, there were plenty. There's plenty of conversations. It wasn't really balling, or at least there wasn't at that stage of the game. But mm. um, there was a period so. I think it was after our first goal. I can't remember if it was the first or the second goal. Everyone else is celebrating and Davis comes went over to Vicario mm. and the two of them were talking and just talking about, and I thought, again, I thought that was really interesting kind of like composure because there were only two players in our half of the pitch at that point. Mm. And they just took, took a moment to talk about what was going on and, and what, you know, what needed to change. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. I mean, the other thing that was really apparent was, um, and, yeah, the other thing that was really apparent was the changes to the team. So, you know, Royal coming into the team and then and Skip coming into the team and how much that affected our build-up play. And, um, I mean, I think Skip had a really poor game and there was clearly a... He wasn't making himself available for... I think off the ball, I think he was really poor. He wasn't really making himself available. I think he struggled to... Uh, you know, he was man-marked, but I think he struggled with that. And when we were passing out we were we were having to, to you know to miss him we have to have to pass to other people you know Poro came in very close to him and Sarah other times was in very close in order to try and provide that support or, or take the ball and um you know that when I saw when I was talking about in the Brighton game about the kind of you know yeah, needing to play Ange ball. Well, this is you know kind of integral to that working, and he just he just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And yeah, I think yeah, there's other things about his game that's fine. And you know, I'm not I'm not um, kind of not hating on him. You know, obviously he's, you know he's a player I'm very fond of, but it's just he's just not a great fit for this system. Do, and do I, you think that that's going to become more tactical though as we go along, where people are going to close down whoever is in that position? More well, we've seen it before. Be yeah, harder. Yeah, yeah. No, we, I, I mean, mean we've and, we, we've seen it with you know Basuma. Um, but you know that he's got the ability to to turn and, and run with the ball. Skip can't do that, and you know pretty much everything that's coming to him is coming straight back at the defence. And I just think he's a bit hurried when the ball's coming to him. He's a bit hurried. I think he struggles to cover the ground that's necessary in that position. That you know I don't think he's good on the turn. Um, I think I think he's he's fine when he's facing play. I think he just struggles a bit when he's not doing that. And also noticed that, say, Davis was misplacing passes a bit. And then then I was thinking, well, hang on, he's got Royal to one side and he's got Skip to the other. And, you know, maybe, um, you know, the, that's affecting his his pass selection or, you know, how he's his, how he's doing that because he know who's, knows who's receiving it. So, yeah, I think 
I, I, I say I say with Skip, I think it's interesting that later on when Hoybier came on, Hoybier went to the base of midfield and Skip moved out to the right, and then you know, obviously Lascelles came on later on and t- took on the left. So I, I was kind of expecting, even if Skip was fit today, for Hoybier to start because we'd made that change in game against Everton. So here's a question that will link both games together, and it's a, it's a hypothetical, um, but I think it's worth asking. I think what we did against Everton in the first half is something that we struggled to do all season, which is mm-hmm. we actually got two goals in the first half yep. for all the pressure that we put on yep. and all the chances that we created, which is very important. I think we probably should have gone in at half time with at least three, but nonetheless... We were still ahead of the curve for where we've been. Um, and then, of course, but, you know, let's, let's just say it as it is. We ended up largely getting battered for the last 20 minutes of that game and clinging on. That, that, those are the facts. We can break it down, and I'm sure there's nuances. But largely, that's a fair appraisal, I think. Do you think that today, had we managed to get, maybe had that early ball from Johnson gone across the face and been a tap-in, had we scored first today, do you think we could have ended up with a similar, uh, a similar sort of game, more as a carbon copy, as that that we had against Everton? Yeah, possibly. Um, probably hard to do away from home. I think, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, Everton, I think, I think Brighton are a better team than Everton. I mean, clearly so. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Deserby is a better manager than, than Dyche, although I think Dyche is probably better than he's given credit, you know, by many people. Um, the Everton side, uh, I mean, they've got some, they've got some good players. I mean, Brainthwaite, uh, the left centre back, I think is very yeah, good. Yeah, he's very good, um, isn't he? Really, really good. And yeah. it'd be a great fit for us. I, mean, I think, I think no. Everton would probably want too much money, but you know, he's, yeah. he's quick, he's there big, he's strong, he's good on the ball. Um, you know, the, the, he, you know, there's, uh, him and uh, Van der Ven could, could come in and out of the team. Yeah, yeah. Pr- pretty, you know, be ni- nice, like for like replacements there, but more or less, I think. Pretty seamless, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think he'd be out of our price range. Um, but sadly, yes. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think I think Everton. I think, yeah, I think your assessment's broadly right. Although I, I just don't think Everton were that. I was going to say, sure. I don't think they were that threatening. I mean, if Vicario would be my man of the match, it probably points otherwise. But yeah, I. I I think I think maybe the the way of thinking about it is if the other way round, if Brighton were our opponents in the Everton game, I think we lose it. <laughs> yeah, I think somewhere in there, I'm going to extrapolate that you're you're agreeing with me. <laughs> I, I, it's Christmas is gone. You're not going to give me that. No, I'm joking. No, we're, I, we're I, saying I, the same thing, and I see what you're yeah. saying. There are there's it's about perspectives, but I think what it does lead us to is this final point before we sign off from the games, which I think is probably mm. going to be a good five minutes it leads us to this situation where games are coming games are going you know we, we've won a, we've won a, we've got on a good run uh now we're not on a run but generally the performances have been fairly similar i think mm-hmm. you know give or take a nuance and you know there's two overriding facts that are undeniable we are without many of our starting 11 uh you know quality players and you know there is a drop-off um in in the quality of players around and do we therefore just attribute what is happening at the club right now to that very simple that very simple fact uh but walk us through it because i know you have a view on it and i think i think we both agree but walk us yeah. through it yeah i mean i think yeah when we say drop off we're saying that you know stylistic suitability i think really of those players right. because i think some of those players are good players and you know they go elsewhere. They're going to have good careers. They're going to do well elsewhere. Yeah, That's Oliver, well clarified. Yeah. Oliver Oliver Skip is a really decent Premier League level 
midfielder and he'll do very well when he moves and I'm sure when he does leave the club there'll be no shortage of takers but he isn't well suited to what we're how we're playing at the moment if you look at the clubs that are meant to be interested in Hoybier you know you Bayern Munich Juventus you know these are these are really good good clubs to move <laughs> yes, on to exactly. you know yeah. he's clear you know he's clearly not a shit player if you, you know if you look at it, you know, how he's performed internationally um you know and elsewhere he's a good player He's just not a great stylistic fit for us right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could go on and on and on through, you know, through other players. You know, Brian Hill, there'll be no shortage of Spanish clubs keen to take him. Lacelso is, you know, being linked with Barcelona. You know, we go through these, the, these players that we're talking about, you know, Hugo Lloris, um, you know, up, up until, well, not even 13 months ago, 12 and a half months ago was his international captain, you know, and <laughs> World the, Cup winner, World Cup, World Cup winner. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's you're, right. You're, you know, you're, and the point so, is very, the, the, is very, is, it's well clarified. That so, but yes, in terms of stylistic fit, I think we've probably got thirteen players who, you know, are a good fit for where we want to go. And I think, um, you know, in order to be able to compete in Europe next season, or even be able to get through the next couple of months, you know, I, I, I think for next season we need to be able to get that up to about probably about twenty players who are a good stylistic fit. So, so by my reckoning, we're seven players short, and I think. Which I don't think feels too bad. You know, we've got January coming up. If we could bring in two or three players in January who are a, a right stylistic fit, then we're you know, we're build, building that squad up to you know fifteen, maybe sixteen players who are a good stylistic fit. That feels like a, a, a squad that's capable of playing in the Premier, you know, just Premier League and you know, you know FA Cup games until the end of the season. If we can bring in another four in in the summer, then that's that 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 feels doable. That doesn't feel feel outrageous to me. And then obviously. You're moving on what we don't want. Um, and I think, you know, that is the issue. I think the issue against Everton, I was saying about, you know, Ben Davis looks, I mean, Ben Davis shouldn't be in the starting lineup anyway, but, you know, Ben Davis looks up and he's got Oliver Skip and, and, uh, and, uh, Emerson Royale either side of him. And he's thinking, well, you know, I've got, I've got to find a pass out here. And it's not easy. You know, we, we look, look at the team that finished that game where, you know, effectively it was, Conte's team of last season really wasn't it plus well yeah it was plus, plus, plus Johnson maybe um and you know similar today and yeah they're just it, it, it's 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 really it, really hurting it, us and I think again this is I think this is where maybe expectations are very very uh, it's such a hard thing uh, important to manage and I'm the biggest hypocrite of all because I find myself looking and uh I know I've shared WhatsApp messages that say this and like, you know, my God, you know, if we, if this board doesn't understand that you don't get too many opportunities like this to back a manager at a time when you can really push forward, I mean, you know, they've got to do it now. But I mean, the, the truth is there is a back end to that, which is we still have players to move. Um, we still need to get rid of them. We do need to, to, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done with the squad and it is going to take two windows. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, and I don't think anybody could have bet on the injuries that we've had, the way they've come um, and, and the way they are. And I think, you know, again, this is also a team, well, we should address discipline for a minute. I think this is a team learning um, to be more disciplined. It's a young it's a young side playing an aggressive system, as we've discussed on this pod before. You know, when you try and get the ball back, when you lose it, um, you know, there is a level of, of intensity that maybe puts you in the, in the spotlight a little more. I mean, there's so many things in development right now that it's important we hold our nerve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think just briefly on that discipline thing, I was looking back at Celtic's discipline record under Ange because I, I was wondering whether they had the same issue. Mm. And actually, they um, 
they came bottom of the, so, so this is whichever way around say this now it's going to sound wrong so they <laughs> they had the best disciplinary record in the scottish premiership for the two seasons i was gonna say i, I couldn't, couldn't remember if it was bottom or top of the table either way it sounds like but anyway they had the best record yeah, um, yeah. but but I'm not sure whether that's because, you know, they're not going to be pressed with the same intensity. They're not, you yes. know, the pace of the game isn't quite the same. And I don't know. You know I need, I'd need to probably look at some of the games you know, a bit more and, and do that kind of direct comparison, which isn't something when I was watching them last season, that yeah. wasn't something that I was looking at. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's right. I think, um, I think it's important that we sign the right players. I think, um, I was thinking, thinking about this at the Everton game. Um, you know, they say you shouldn't go food shopping when you're hungry mm. because you'll just fill your, yeah, of course, tro- yeah, because fill your trolley full yeah. of trash, yeah. uh, like just anything to get a quick kind of sugar hit or, um, you know, a carb fix or Who something be- like that. You're and, afraid and, that we're going to do that with defenders. Well, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> think the club will, but I think the fans will be demanding it. I think the fans will be kind of latching onto names and, and getting themselves all worked up about, um, you know, this player or that player, which I mean, happens every window, doesn't it? Um, it does. but you know, we are, um, we are desperate for reinforcements. You know, Romero's going to be out until, you know, probably end of Jan, February. You know, maybe that means he misses another two league games, which is, a, you know, in itself is a bit of a blessing with the, with the fixture list. But, um, you know, we've got a lot of players coming back in and it's going to be difficult to reintegrate them into the team at the same time. And I think, uh, I think people will be getting a bit jittery because of, you know, how we've performed while we've been missing key players. But I think, you know, if we think back to the summer and, you know, when Sanchez was sold, which was a, you know, clearly a calculated risk. But it was a calculated risk on the basis that you know there was an acceptable offer on the table for him, and I think Ange was taking um, you know, kind of the medium to long term view uh, you know, over the short term view, you know, knowing that what's happened in you know in the second half of this first half of the season could happen, and uh, but then in the you know, kind of the long term interest of the team, it was the right decision to make, and I think I think. Um, I think you know, obviously he wants players to come in as quickly as possible in January, but I think he'd probably, you know, I think I'm, I'm certain that he would rather hold out for the right player rather than any player. I mean, and I think it's interesting with, with Sanchez just to say, I think, you know, there are situations where sometimes if you hold a player or hold on to a player for another six months and that player really does not, they, they just don't want to be with you anymore because they want to get a fresh start. They want to get a new challenge. And, you know, in Davo's situation, you wouldn't have blamed him for some of the treatment that he got last year at the, at the, the mouths of our own supporters. Um, you know, maybe it was never really an option to hold on to. Maybe if you looked at him and Dyer, Dyer was the one who was more willing to stay and fight for his place. Maybe Davo was like, look, I really don't want to be here. So in a sense, even if you kept him, you'd be keeping a player more or less against their will. And if you can get yeah. the money, you should get it and you should move them on. I mean, I mean it, maybe it's as simple as that, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think the difference is that Dyer was turning down moves, wasn't he? Um, yeah, and, and, and I mean, you know, I think yeah. you know, the rumours are is that Dyer's intention was to see out his contract and, and move as a free agent. Yeah, and um, so I, I, I just think that we're in a position with you know, post-COVID, particularly kind of continental clubs, the money isn't there. And, you know, we've seen this with, you know, the number of loans that we've had to do with players that we clearly would be willing to to sell just because European clubs can't match Premier League salaries, can't match you know, tra- Premier League transfer fees. And I think we're in a position really when you've got any you know, any player that we're willing 
to leave, willing to let go. If there's a if there's a an offer on the table that's somewhere close to our, our asking price, we have to accept it because I just don't think I don't think uh, we can we can rely on that being there in six months' time. Let's let's flip the order a little bit because we've found ourselves here already, and mm. we've even skipped. What did you think of Everton? Which I mean, are we can I think we, we can kind of talk about them. <laughs> Ah, we can, yeah, we can get back into it. By the way, I have great admiration for Sean Dyke and what he's done there. I really mm-hmm. do. I think it's, in, I think it's tremendous. Um, so especially given the punishment they had. But why don't we stick? We'll stick with the window for a moment because they're, you know, I think we know what our priority positions are. I think we'd agree on those. Um, you want to touch on those? I mean, I think we've discussed oh, that. You know, yeah, for me, cent- I mean, cent- centre back yeah. is the first priority. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, a central midfielder. I mean, I think I, I I'm probably, I, I would prioritise a six. But I think it looks like Ange is prioritising an eight, um, which suggests that he sees Benton Kerr as a, as a six, Abyss and Benton Kerr as the sixes. And then I think what we're looking at is replacements for Skip and Hoybier is, is the way which, I see it. So Yeah, which, which brings us into this list. We've got Conor Gallagher's name. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, I, it's, do you think it's realistic in this window? I've, I've got to say, I think in for a January transfer, it doesn't seem that realistic. I don't, I don't in, know. In what way? I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea are meant to be willing to let him go. He's in the last eighteen months of his contract, and they've got a problem with FFP. So, selling an academy player gets them out of a hole. Um, I so, think, I guess this is where we get to how much money we can get for outgoings in January versus incomings. So, I don't see us spending fifty million on Conor Gallagher. In, in well, I think I'd, I'd love it to happen, but we won't do that unless we get the money in, will we? Well, I don't know. For, I would say 45, 45, 50 million is the figures being talked about. I don't know if we can. I think you know if, if Juventus are willing to take, or you know Bayern Munich, or you know whoever else are willing to take uh, Hoybier on on loan with a with a obligation to buy in the summer, and that obligation covers you know half of the Gallagher fee. I think that's probably a deal we should do. I think Conor Gallagher as a rotation option with Papi Matasar, which I think is the role he would be asked to play, um, makes sense. He's a, he's better at that, better fit for that role than Skip or, or Hoybier are. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a very, very good presser. He's, he's good on the ball. You know, he, he's a decent player and, um, and he's English and, and, you know, with our, you know, our issues with, um, lack of homegrown players, I think that carries a premium and it's, it's worth some, you know, something we probably need. Uh, I just want to clarify. Uh, I absolutely would love to see Conor Gallagher at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, uh, especially as, a, as a, an upgrade or a swap, whatever phrase you want to use for the players you mentioned. And I also want to clarify that what you're officially witnessing on this pod <laughs> is optimism from Milo that this deal can get done in January and pessimism from me that it can't. That might be a I mean, turn up for the books. <laughs> I, you know, I think... I think you've got to bear in mind also, you know, I think he'd be a good signing for Newcastle. I could see them coming in for him. You know, I'm sure there'll be other clubs that, that are going that, nowhere. That he around. won't want to go there. But, go you know, those, I think there will be other, um, you know, other clubs interested. I mean, I think, I think it's also worth doing because it will really piss off Pochettino because he likes him and he's arguably been their best player so far this season. And, you know, he's oh, made him captain. And bring a little a little nudge there uh, against against Poch, I see. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, give give it's all give, right. Give He's at a club fuck. that will be nudging him all the time. Well, did you call him a fat fucker pushing the back when he wasn't looking? Of course, I would. So, hell, my <laughs> word, my word. How soon they forget. Anyway, 
I'm not going to rise to that. I'm not going to that. You're going fishing. I'm staying on land. It's the weather's too good, bad, and I'm not a very good fisherman. So I'm staying out of this one. Um, but I am going to look at centre half. Uh, I think uh, Jean Claire to Tadibo and uh, Radu Dragasin. I, I I actually can I, say I, be- I believe I think I've it's, watched Tadibo quite a lot. Tadibo, I think it is. Okay. Well, I've watched I've watched this player quite a lot, and I I have to say that would be a statement signing for me. It would really give us uh, some uh, really, really high quality uh, cover. Uh, Well, not cover, just rotation. I mean, I think he would be excellent. uh, uh, Dragerson, I've not seen uh, very much of at all. So I'm wondering if you can tell me a bit more about Dragerson because I have Mm. not seen much. They profile quite similar. So um, Dragerson's a couple of years younger. Um, His agent is talking up stuff a, a, a fair bit. So I'm not sure whether it's uh, agent fishing for a better deal or something like that. Um, you know, maybe uh, Todibo to might be, or Todibo might be a bit more um, rounded. So I think Todibo uh, to, could um, cover, potentially cover both um, Romero and, and Van de Ven. Um, Dragazan is very, very aggressive. Um, so maybe, you know, wouldn't be able to cover that Van de Ven role quite so well. Um, but you know they're both good they both profile quite similarly um they're good players to be linked with i think this window i think todibo um you know if you're worried about the Gallagher fee i think you might see the same with todibo i wouldn't be surprised if they were looking for 45 50 million for him there's lots and lots of big clubs interested in him and obviously um ratcliffe uh getting the deal with um you know his 25 percent stake in manchester united this week sorted uh united are one of the clubs that are interested in him and ratcliffe also owns um also owns nice so you know that's potentially an issue there i i, I mean th- this is my ignorance here which i'm never afraid to admit uh to anyone um because you can't know everything but i didn't think that if you owned or had a stake in ownership of two clubs that you could like sell one player from can. one of your clubs to the other of course you can, can you yeah. really yeah crikey isn't and that like some, paying he, yourself? And he owns a minority stake in um, in Man United, so, so but isn't yeah. that like paying yourself? I don't really. Un, uh, well, it doesn't, come out, it doesn't come out of his pocket. Yeah, it doesn't come out of his pocket, does it? But he, but he's got a control. He's got a controlling interest. He's got a say in um, in Man United. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's it's potentially a barrier there. Um, yeah, so, so one that I particularly uh, think is that uh, that cool actually. But there we go. Can't change. Oh, I'm not saying it's cool. I'm just saying that. No, you know, that's, no, that's, I know you're not. Yeah, I, think, I know you're not. I, no, no. I mean, I, I think the thing with um, Todibo is that if we are interested in him, I think we've got to move very early because, as I said, there's lots of other clubs interested. Yeah. And do you I, think I, we're going to get one of them? Do you I, feel I mean, in I, your heart of hearts we'll get one of them? I think we'll get a centre back. Um, I, I, there might be other names that come, you know, that come out as as the window. Um, progresses. I'm sure we'll get one of them. Um, I think Ange has been pretty clear that we've been working on stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah. I don't know. But I think also, you know, everyone's kind of panicking about, you know, this needs to be done on January the 1st or whenever. I think even if that was the case, there's, there's a chance that they're not going to play in that Manchester United game because, you know, they weren't a train with the team that that much and what have you. So we might not really? see them. We might not see them till later in the, in the month anyway. Um wow. But yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, there's. I think there's a really nice little pocket of space to get someone trained in there. Uh, possibly, of the space. possibly. So but I, I don't hope to see early movement myself. Yeah, but yeah. possibly, what I'm all I'm saying, Steph, is I don't think you can bank on it because sometimes no, it takes no. players a while to settle. And I think there's an assumption is that you know we bring them in on January the first and they're ready to go on January the fifteenth. And I'm saying that and that as, might as that I, might not be yeah. the case. 
as I like to say, assumptions are dangerous things. Um, but uh, what would we say about Jota as a link? Uh, you know, yeah. I think the knock is he fits. He fits in a way, uh, but the knock is that you know he did make a big money move uh, to a very fairly non-competitive league, I believe, uh, at, a, at a, an age that you wouldn't have expected. You'd have expected him to maybe uh, push for something else. Uh, in in you know, I, I mean, I don't think that's got. Yet. I don't think that's got any bearing on whether he's a good fit for us or not. Um, no, I think whether- so. So he hasn't been registered there, so and they can't register him. So he's available, and I think potentially he's available on loan. And I think as I mean, it, it, you know, all this comes down to Andrew. He Andrew's, yeah, he's had him as a player at Celtic. He knows him. He knows him inside out. He'll know whether he, he thinks he's good enough for uh, the Premier League or not. And I and I'm not certain on that, to be honest with you. Right, um, that's but, the question, isn't it? But. Yeah, but we've got the perfect person in place to know whether he thinks that or not. Uh, you know, in terms of Angie's system at Celtic, he was really good. You know, he could play across the front three positions and, and did so really well. Um, and, you know, was a good stylistic fit for the system. I think if, if he was available, if Ange liked him, I think a six month loan with an option makes a lot of sense. And it, it, it gives us that, it gives us that cover. And I think it should certainly in terms of, tactics and the system it shouldn't take him too long to get up to speed on that how long it takes him up to get up to match fitness after not playing for you know since the end of last season and the you know the pace of the premier league different question but you know in terms of understanding what would be asked of him he should be able to settle pretty quickly all right i'm pinning you here january 2nd are we going to see him holding up the famous top tottenham shirt i hope we never see anyone hold that up again um (laughs) I don't That's know. Another question, I, I, I really don't know. I think, yeah. um, you know, it fits, um, you know, it fits in some ways. I think as a stopgap, you know, potentially it makes sense, um, and suits all parties, but I don't know. I really don't know. And I think it, it will just come down to whether Ange thinks he's good enough or not. How much longer are we going to have to tolerate that absolutely appalling third kit? I don't know. I mean, do you think that tonight has seen the end of it? Or do you think we are going to have to suffer it at least two more times this season? I mean, I, I'm assuming this means that you've gone cold on buying one, which um, really is saying something. Because I, I, um, I, I know, I know that we did had put in one good shift in the shirt, and you were you were almost you know you were in the club shop in the club in the club shop before <laughs> oh. the final whistle had been blown. Um, there, there's a couple of other players that aren't on that list that I could just run through quickly. Um, yeah. I so, flirted with disaster, shall we say, yeah, to close so, that particular rumour off. But uh, carry on. Uh, Arthur, <laughs> Arthur Vermeeren at um, uh, what is it, Royal Antwerp. Um, so Belgian midfielder there. He's 18 years old. And this Vermeer, is, uh, you say? Uh, Vermeeren. He's, oh, thank goodness. I thought you were talking about the famous artist. <laughs> I was about to say he'd be a bit old for us. But so anyway. there's talk of us buying him for £25 million and then loaning him back for the rest of the season. Hmm. Very, very exciting. Really, really exciting. Big of fit. Rooney Bargi, who's at FC Copenhagen. True play, guess the agent. Oh, I mean this. And now, now I'm going to fail. You've put me on the spot. I'm going to, it's going to be, what's his name? CAA Base. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's, that, that tells you everything. Okay. Well, so he's coming in then. Right winger. <laughs> Good. A uh, bit raw. Not quite sure where he fits in the system. Um, Swedish Syrian, born in Kuwait. But um, exciting. Exciting yeah. player. Um, Angie's meant to be keen. Samuel Illing Jr., who came through Chelsea's ranks That's as right. a Juve um, yes. winger. So I think he's also played wing back, and Allegri's also been playing him in central midfield. He's got 18 months on his contract, 20 years old. 
counts as I think he counts as homegrown. I'm not certain on that. I'm not, I'd have to double check how long they've been at Juve for. That's been knocking around for a while. Doesn't Decky count as homegrown player? See, there's 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 no. one bizarre player that uh, is going to count as maybe no. I want to say maybe it's Papsar. He's going to count as homegrown at yeah, a certain he will. point. Yeah, he will. It's Papsar who counts as homegrown. That's right, which is going to be a huge advantage, of course. And club and club trained as well, I think. Yes, yes, indeed, which is great. But, uh, well, yeah, look, this is obviously a story that will unfold over the next month. I personally hope it unfolds in the next two weeks and we don't talk about it for the final two weeks. That would be my Well, we'll still talk I've about it, Steph. Honest. All the time the window's open, yeah, we're going to be talking yeah, about it. I mean, I think, I think, it, yeah. I think um, you know, the fact that, um, you know, <laughs> Our friend was at the game at the weekend and, you know, some of the, those younger players that, you know, we're talking about now, you know, we're talking about Saar, we're talking about Doggy, you know, the, the players that we brought in over the last few years and have loaned back or allowed to stay there. So when we look at some of those uh, 18-year-olds I was talking about there, Bargi and uh, uh, Vermeeren, um, I, I think, um, like, we, you know, I think we should be trusting Paratici if he's still around. And he's he's got that. He, he's got that. Um, you know, sign some kids that we can um, we can bring in after a, after a year or so uh, brief. If that's his brief, then I think we should let him carry on with that. Well, I have to say, I mean, and we've said this before, there will at some point in time be uh, a section of a pod. Uh, rather more time will be given to uh, my apologising to him uh, for doubting his uh, his his talent radar. Because my word, when you look at when you look back. It's been pretty spot on. The man may not rock a great suit, in my opinion, but he uh, certainly uh, knows how to spot a footballer, so I couldn't agree more. Yeah, one final bit just before, well, just before we, uh, this afternoon, I was going to say just before we recorded, but it was a few hours earlier than that. The males, uh, Sammy Mockbell, um, and then also followed up by Ali Gold, and I think a few others have said that Hugo Lloris is close to joining MLS side LAFC. Uh, Good for all of us, wouldn't it, really, Steph? Yeah, great. Uh, I mean, you know, he'll get to bring the kids to Disneyland, I suppose, and have a little time in the sun. And uh, yeah, perfect. And uh, LAFC are actually, they're, they're quite a vibey MLS team, I have to say. They've got a good little vibe about them and uh, it's a tight little stadium, good support base. So good. Yeah. Let him in, let him enjoy uh, some sunshine. And uh, will we see him uh, next to Jason Statham and uh, Vinnie Jones in a... <laughs> In a Hollywood production, I wonder. Hugo's. I'm not sure acting's for him, is he? He's a bit shy. No, he doesn't really doesn't really not, like the camera or the microphone. Hugo's uh, Hugo's Hugo's wife has got a children's or like a, a, a young girls um, clothing line um, that oh. I believe does quite good business in the states. So oh. uh, yeah, I think that might might make sense yes. for that for yeah. her as well. It's, it's it's. I had a look at the yeah. website earlier on today. It's really expensive, <laughs> really expensive oh. kids clothing. So coming so, to a boutique so LA, in LA, Beverly Hills, yeah, Beverly LA Hills might, might be a good place to to be based. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, you know what? After all the years, and I think it could be quite cool, couldn't it? I mean, the footballers uh, drag their families all over the place for a career. Maybe Mrs. Larissa said, "Let's make it work for me for once." And so, yes, I wish. I mean, look, if they go, I wish them all the best. And I'm sure that uh, if it actually happens, we will have to dedicate a portion of a pod to Hugo Lloris because even, I mean, look, the way he's dealt even with this season, I think, um, and the emergence of Vicario as a, as, a, as a worthy successor, it's been noble. And I mean, even Big Vic said that he's been absolutely uh, tremendous uh, behind the scenes. So never less than a sterling professional, eh? So, uh, well, nearly never less. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had his moment, but that's okay. Anyway, that being said, uh, yes, we uh, had a, a nice uh, sort of Christmas holiday ramble here, as you've all heard. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, mate. It was fun, Cheers, even mate. though we did go uh, all over the place. And uh, I never did actually get to ask you about Jordan Pickford's arse, seeing as you uh, mentioned it. It was one of the first things you mentioned. In perspective, I wondered if there were any closing thoughts on Jordan Pickford from that angle. Um, uh, and I'm not necessarily inviting you to make physical comments, but just he, Jordan Pickford in general. He was quite a good sport. Um, Excellent. He was... He's very twitchy. He twitches all of the time. And, uh, but yeah, he was, um, yeah, enjoying a bit of banter with the, with the crowd, but it was in a good spirit. I think, uh, early in the second half, Decky took a clattering near us and then took a while to get up. But as he got up and the play was at the other end, Pickford was asking after him and just checking he was all right and gave him a thumbs up and stuff. So I, I thought, uh, yeah, I, uh, I thought he was quite likable actually. Would he fit the, uh, parochial phrase? A good lad. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, still means I. You know that I hate talking about him because I've got stories and I can't no, share them. No, there, no, so. that's all right. We'll we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. What you saw, your evidence, um, doesn't correspond was... with what I know about him from people who know him. Oh well, there we go. But anyway. Um, yeah, well, brilliant. I, I'm really, uh, by the way, before we go, I think the perspective comment was really interesting and I, I'd, mm. I'd like to get into that a little more in future pods. I think it's really fascinating, um, because it is a different game. Once again, I would encourage any of you listening out there, if you have not watched a game from pitch side, try and get a ticket to do it at least once or twice because it will give you perspective on every comment that you make <laughs> and that we make about players. It may not stop you making them, but it'll at least give mm. you some perspective. Anyway, thanks, mate. And we're going to be back uh, in, in a few days. Yep, Monday. Very good. That's right. Very good. All right. Well, I'll see you next year, mate. <laughs> see you next week. Yeah. Oh, it's so boring, that, isn't yeah. it? See you next year. It's such a shit joke, but I had to crack it. All right, mate. See ya. Thanks, everyone. We will see you in a few days.